thank you for downloading the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast, the podcast that takes you from the Seattle area all the way across the Pacific Rim and throughout history to Tokyo, Japan. My name is Jim Valley, longtime broadcaster and wrestling fan in the Seattle area. And as we do every time with Pacific Rim, we go across the Pacific Ocean, the Pacific Rim to Tokyo, Japan, and the leading journalist, historian, author, all-around good guy, expert in wrestling, Fumi Saito. How are you? Hello from Tokyo. How are you? Good. Hey, I wanted to touch base before we talk about the, yeah. the New Japan press conference and some of your thoughts mm-hmm. on that, which we can, we'll go super in-depth on that, so stand by. Uh, as we're recording this, we've just gotten word that uh, the legend Don Leo Jonathan has passed away at the age of 87. Yeah. He lives up in uh, British Columbia, not that far from me. Um, your thoughts on uh, on where on uh, his career in Japan, Mr. John, Don Leo Jonathan. Yes, um, he yeah he um, he made multiple um, appearances. You know the, the many tours with Japan, originally with Ricky Dozen's Nippon Pro Wrestling, and during early seventies he came um, um, under Giant Baba you know, together that. Um, Nippon Pro Wrestling 1970s regime, and also he had several trips with All Japan's, Giant Baba's All Japan, and he even came back in late 90s as a his, um, Giant Baba's retro um, thing that uh, you know when when they brought people like Killer Kowalski, Don Leo Jonathan, Destroyer, Bruno San Martino, Gene Koniski for a talk event. Um, Don Leo Jonathan was their second guest. Uh, after Bruno San Martino, I believe, and he was a big hit. And also, there was a hijack backbreaker, the original, uh, the, the finishing maneuver, Daniel Jonathan introduced in Japan, and uh, they, they call it hijack backbreaker to this day. You know what that is? You know, it looks like, almost look, look like uh, you're razor's edge, but it's a backbreaker. You don't drop it like a power bomb, but... Uh, yeah. I saw I saw probably his last few matches. He wrestled in Portland um, a few times. Ah. So I didn't see him in his prime, and I certainly didn't see him on a regular basis. Oh, but he yes, did a, certainly before our time. Yeah, he did a he did a few matches, and I was amazed. I mean, because he let's see if he's eighty seven. I probably yeah. saw him when he was probably then you know close to fifty. I would guess fifty. Yeah, and he Still was. Tall. Still yeah. tall, still in great shape. I mean, he kept himself in really yeah. good condition. Um, he was mm-hmm, always mm-hmm. always in good condition, and he was so smooth for a for a big guy. I guess. Yeah. I guess almost the, too smooth, right? The only yeah. person that I could compare him to that people would know was maybe like a Barry Windham in his prime. Maybe. Oh, big tall guy. Big yeah. tall, big tall and guy, and really, yeah. really fluid in his motion. So I guess that's not an yeah, exact and comparison. That's such a big guy. Yeah. It's not an exact comparison, but I mean, he was also, you know, uh, obviously an, uh, a fond opponent for for Andre the Giant, one of those few guys big enough in to Montreal, face. Montreal, yes. Yeah, to face Andre by himself. Yeah, big star in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a big star in Japan too. Had a title match with against Ricky Dozen. Had a title match program with Giant Baba. Um, he was a final of twelfth annual World League Round Robin Tournament in 1970. 
And he had a single match against Inoki, Baba, Sakaguchi, all these Japanese stars at the time. And also came back for all Japan and had a PWF title program. And also he was part of the 1975 um, Open Tournament. You know, Open Tournament December of 1975. They had, you know, the Funks, the Harley Race, the Dusty Rose, the Abdul the Butcher, the all the big uh, Mr. Wrestling, Daniel Jonathan, all the big names from America. He was one of them. And uh, yeah, I he had a long, long span career. Uh, I don't know. I'd say it's 1970s, early 70s was his prime. Probably like even as early as mid 60s was his real prime. Right. But yeah. He, he, yeah. But he had such a longevity. Or oh, he even had a title match program against Pedro Morales in early 70s in Madison Square Garden too. And so he traveled a lot: Vancouver, Hawaii, Japan, Australia. You know, that uh, yeah. Back then, superstar wrestlers were traveling a lot more. Well, WWE superstar travels a lot, of course, but uh, in the territory days, he really went from one territory to another territory, to country, to the region, to all kinds of different places. Um, and second generation superstar. Yeah, I was going to mention our friend uh, Brian Last put out a tweet who's from the 605 podcast, which you've been on before. Ah. Um, mentions Don Leo Jonathan. I think this is a great way to put it from Brian Last. The last bridges to the golden age of wrestling. He sat ringside in Los uh, Angeles while his father wrestled in the 30s, drove Jess uh, McMahon home the night he died, was on the first TV out of New York. He was also on the uh, Dumont Network. So, I mean, he really is yeah, that too. from a completely yeah. other generation when you think about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. You know, he's more hes more Buddy Rogers and, and Bruno and those guys. I mean, he's older than Bruno. He lived longer oh, yeah, than yeah, Bruno. Yeah. But so, I mean, he was in the game longer than longer than Bruno was. And uh, just something to think about as far as mm-hmm. what he what he goes back to. He, he went to all kinds of different territories. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, uh, he was one of those world heavyweight, non-NWA world heavyweight champion. He was a world heavyweight champion in, in like uh, half Ohio territory or even uh the vancouver you know or canadian version of world heavyweight champions and and yeah non-nwa world heavyweight champion that we have to you know do a lot of homework on you know yeah yeah do you did you we, ever we gotta, see him yeah, wrestle did you ever did you ever see him uh ringside? Yeah, yeah as a kid yeah and not quite ringside but when i was a kid yes um he's big guy but doing drop kicks and he, you know flying head scissors uh, cartwheels and all those things, you know, it's amazing for big men. Yeah. And yes. also sideburn. <laughs> he yeah. did have the sideburn. Yes. Yeah, 1970s wrestlers, typical, but he was a big old thing of the sideburn, always, you know. Yeah. So definitely 70s superstar, you know. Yeah, like I said, I just remember how, how smooth he was. Someone said, who's a, who's a big fan, thinks he's the greatest big man of all time and and you could certainly make Probably. a case you could make a case for that yeah i think so yeah i think so yeah obviously underrated uh, superstar of you know, of our time or before our time but uh, yes obviously underrated and also was not nwa world heavyweight champion or awa or wwf champion his prime was probably before that you know that the three establishment you know major league company he was more of a territorial days you know superstar that travels 
from one territory to another, and he was always on top kind of guy. Yeah, always on, always the main event yeah. guy. Always. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure Dave okay. Meltzer will have a lot to say about uh, Don Leo Jonathan, and there'll be a lot more probably in the Yeah, and then the yeah, bio will be like a humongous, you know. I'm looking forward to read that beginning of his time and how he started it and how he tra started traveling the world. And he kept in shape, though. He kept himself in shape for like a good 30-year period on top. And uh, that's old-fashioned also, yeah. Yeah, definitely a throwback, and he will be missed and hopefully never forgotten, Don Leo Jonathan. So right, right, right. One of the things we haven't been able to put together is uh, follow up for you and the the New Japan press conference. Now you were under the yeah, impression yeah. I, you were under the impression yeah. that they were going to announce the whole show, and they didn't. They didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I went to see. We could almost talk about the October eighth Small Palace show the night before, but a lot of people talk about it, and I'm sure that they've been talking about it. For, you know, for over a week now. And I would like to you know, focus on that the October 9th big press conference, the morning after the Small Palace. And I, yeah, I was under the impression that they were going to announce at least half the show. But no, this time it was just two people, two guys, and president, uh, that the chairman, Sugabayashi, but uh, the two participants, Kenny Omega, IWGP champion, and the challenger, Tanahashi, just those two. But they took up the whole hour, and I think if, if it was wrestling, you know, wrestling interviews, that I'd say it was better than anything WWE has written in a long time. It, the whole hour of Kenny Omega's speech sounded more like a RF video shoot interviews than anything else. Does it make sense? Now you told me something very interesting when when you were yeah. done with the press conference that you have seen a new side of Kenny Omega and you are really buying into him now. Yeah, yeah, they want me. Yeah, he he won me totally. I uh, I uh, I take Kenny Kenny Omega very very seriously now. Not that I didn't take him seriously. Yes, I've always taken him seriously, but. Uh, his mindset, you know, and then, uh, well, he used the term too, but the, that uh, the monster he's turning into is what I'm saying. That uh, he set his goal real high. And, okay, it's like, let's put it this way. He is planning on headlining Tokyo Dome, uh, Tokyo Dome show January 4th, Wrestle Kingdom show, probably next 10 years or so, you know? And uh, he's serious that he is planning on headlining all the Tokyo Dome show. And this guy will be the king of Japan, really. What makes you say that? that? Why do you say that? Well, that uh, he is so focused. And also, this is how he looks at it. That uh, IWGP heavyweight title is you know, now champion, right? IWGP champion equal, you know, equals him and, and uh, the the IWGP, him equals New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he, this is some of the things that, yeah, the one, he he really clearly is saying that the, I'm the one, you know, that the carrying this company. Yes, Tanahashi has survived the Dark Age. And interestingly enough, though, 
This is Wrestle Kingdom 13, right? It started 2007. Yes, that was the end of the, you know, the dark age. There was dark age. You and I talked about it, right? Yes. You know, in Japanese wrestling, such a dark age. And I thought, you know, all these wrestling companies was going to go out of, out of business because of MMA, Pride, and K1, and wrestling fans all leaving. And, you know, you... We had to wait until new all the new fans, you know, being new all the new stars being created, in people like Tanahashi and and Shinsuke Nakamura and all the new stars and new audiences. You know, you have to really build from the scratch again. There was dark age, but uh, yes, uh, Tanahashi was the one that pretty much saved the dark age. And but it's been ten years now, you know. And uh, yeah, a lot of things we, we can go over, you know, um, Kenny's quote, you know, a lot that uh, he was saying that I'm the reason we are here today. Like, wow, wow, so, so assertive, you know, now it's his time, you know, all there's left is Tokyo Dome, but it's, it's, it's like uh, they talked about wrestling ideology, how Kenny Omega views professional wrestling, the nature of professional wrestling. And Tanahashi really, you know, he really, you know, opened up and talked about how, how he looks at professional wrestling and how it should be. And there's just, yeah, just almost conflict. Um, yeah, it's like uh, ideas on this table, but uh, uh, it sounded all real to me that, uh, Kenny Omega was saying that I am out to change the world. I mean, not a wrestling term. It's like I'm I'm out to change the world. He is seriously believing himself that he is changing the wrestling world, being top of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is trying to do so without going WWE for sure now. I mean, like all these superstars have to go to WWE to become somebody, huh? You know what I'm saying? Usually, very oftentimes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because to be famous or to um, to be known worldwide basis, the world market, you know, on WWE Network or being on their television and uh, means like 150 countries, 200 countries and 150 different languages and all these things now. But I truly believe that uh, he... With this Japanese language and English language, he speaks, you know, fluently with New Japan Pro Wrestling World, much like WWE Network. This guy has, like, plans. Very interesting. Because the, the, the way he, the wording, you know, like, in front of the entire wrestling world, is, like, yeah, I guess it is. See, he makes sure that the words are out. He is doing it in front of this entire world. Yeah, he he believed performing in WWE. I mean, I mean, New Japan Ring and being the main event at the Tokyo Dome and beating Tanahashi. Obviously, he's planning on it. That uh, he will be watched by the entire world, and he knows that WWE superstars are watching. Mm-hmm. You know, New Japan, you know, world and New Japan tapes and. And it's th- th- saying things like change wrestling for bright match. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, he also said, I'm talking not as Kenny Omega, but I'm talking as Tyson Smith. He's talking about his, I mean, now his real name come out, you know. There's a difference between Kenny Omega and Tyson Smith. That's his real name. And he is out there. He, he, he was out there to expose himself from, like, this is serious talking. Not an old school wrestling mentality or wrestling interview or no wrestling inside terminology. See, um, Tanahashi was using terms like babyface and heels openly on, 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 on this press conference. And then Kenny Omega stops him. He's got babyface and heels and this wrestling inside term. What does that mean in 19, I mean, 2018? And just attacked, um, Tanahashi's comment, which came off like also came off like a shoot interview, and the shoot is inside term also. But this Kenny's statement all came like this is how we do it in 2018, and wow, I I opened up for for me. I was just saying, if you were just um, if you had a chance, you know, uh, or somebody who has uh, listeners out there who has access to New Japan Pro Wrestling World, you, you know the at the live streaming service, they taped the press conference for in- live streaming. I- I'm not sure how much of it was still there, but uh, um, if you have access to this press conference, um, I I strongly recommend that you go over there and you know find the page and listen to this Kenny Omega statement. Very very strong. So obviously this performance or this press conference however you want to phrase it had an effect on you yeah how did you perceive kenny omega going into the press conference versus how you see him now following the press conference what's the difference what were what was what was missing that 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 you now see oh actually see new japan's booker you know producer bookers are uh jado and gedo right Right, two, uh, two bookers, and I don't think they necessarily write the whole press conference theme or the speech. You know, I'm sure that the the bookers Jado Gedo will give would give Kenny Omega the idea what you are going to say, what you're going to say, what you want to say. Okay, let's put this this together. Idea and turn, you know, words and wording and uh, what in order but the actual this 20 30 minute speech i'm pretty sure it was written by kenny omega himself i'm sure that he he was okayed by you know the, the company and 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 jado and gedo they approved it but the actual wording and the way he put it and the the speech it must have been written by kenny omega himself that means he has a lot input in in the booking and the programs and uh it's almost like a you know the booking team now i mean the way i look at it does that make sense yeah 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 speech is written i'm sure but uh not every word like this is a clear 20 minute speech that he really prepared real well that uh, kenny must have written it you know and that means that he has a lot to say in the booking and the direction they're going to. 
And uh, yeah, he really said that uh, there was a match between Kenny Omega and Tanahashi two, you know, two three years back, but it was before, and he, he hadn't evolved into the monster that he was, he he is today. Why? Right? He really believes that he had turned into a monster, you know, already. And as he evolved, uh, the time went on, and as he evolved. The pro wrestling evolved with him. He, Kenny Omega, really believes he is on top of the line in this whole industry. What he does in the ring right now is the latest, what's going on in professional wrestling. He feels that he's running at the front of everybody, so far ahead of everybody. And uh, it's just amazing the way he put it, you know, and... uh, I uh, had to believe you, what he was saying, like really, you know, coming genuinely from his idea of what pro wrestling is and his plan with New Japan Pro Wrestling, he ain't going nowhere. And uh, IWGP equals him, IWGP equals New Japan, and I am professional wrestling. Wow, this this is like not just performance, but the, he really believes that his legendary match, on uh, years and years to come, he will be headlining the, all these IWGP and headline at uh, the Tokyo Dome show and G1 Climax, all these things. He will be the focal point of the, all these things, probably ten years from now. I'm just. He he has he has this guy is going to be the king of Japan. I believe it now. Is that too much? No, I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's too much at all. Now let me ask yeah. you. So you think that he can live up to all of these lofty goals and all these big words? Yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, what he was saying, you know, made a lot of sense. If this evolve and evolution and the revolutionary and all the legendary match that now people can watch on, on the internet and New Japan World, you know, streaming service, that uh, he really believes that he's performing in front of the entire world. And not just the entire world, wrestling fans and potential audience, but uh, he knows that people in WWE are watching this. That uh, he strongly feels. Well, I'm sure that uh, it had a lot to do with Chris Jericho's advice, you know, that, uh, right, guys in WWE, WWE superstars, they are actually watching Japanese tapes. That didn't start now, but, uh, you know what I'm saying? That way back when it was a VHS tape, that uh, let's watch Japanese tapes, right? But now, New Japan is becoming such a big force out there that, uh, Kenny's Kenny Omega's comment was like, with this New Japan and our, you know that uh, American wrestlers, including him, and uh, um, all these you know new you know revolutionary movement and technology, you know, if it wasn't for them and Kenny's Kenny's performance, San Francisco, that uh, California, that. Uh, LA Dojo or even All In show, he was saying, none of these would have happened. I kind of agreed, right? The force is out there now that that something's really happening and that they feel, you know, as, as a top of New Japan and IWGP family and, uh, you know, this whole major league thing that 
they feel that they can compete with WWE now. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. I mean, it's interesting yeah. how taken you were by his intensity, it sounds like. It sounds like his focus oh, God, has really won you is... over. Yeah, yeah, because I was to see a lot of people kind of tried to tape record, you know, with, with your cell phone. And I'm an old fashioned person and I, I do tape it, but I, I take note with my favorite yellow pads. Right when you start writing things down, it's like, wait a minute, this much, you know, this many things being said, and it's like well prepared speech. And the way he put it, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is like the statement. It was, of course, it's a press conference, you know, um, that uh, they'll be making some statement, right? But it's not like, it didn't sound like your good old wrestling interviews. It, If it was wrestling interviews, yeah, it's better than anything WWE has written in a long time. It sounded more like a, uh, well, similar to CM Punk interview two years, two years ago or so. You know, people believed it, right? Yeah, no, I mean, so you think this is almost like a like a more structured pipe bomb? Oh, this is an interesting interview, but the statement that Kenny Omega was making, uh, that uh, he was saying things that he really truly believed in himself. You know, he is still, um, his, his birthday is October 16th, so he's turning 35 in two days or so, and uh, still pretty young, huh? But he's been wrestling since he was 18 or so, and he debuted 2000, so 18-year career. And with this 18-year wrestling career, he's spent over 10 years just in Japan, and he's the first wrestler who spoke fluent Japanese. You know, we had American superstars before. Oh, it goes back to the Funks, or Abby, or we talk a lot about Tiger Jeet Singh, yeah, Singh, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, you know, you can name a few more, but uh, none of these American superstars really spoke Japanese, you know, words. They understand Japanese, but uh, they didn't really do promo in Japanese, you know what I'm saying? And Kenny Omega really does speak perfect Japanese. It's amazing. That's one thing, and uh, and also that would make him very more here. And also, he will become somebody special. He, he already is special, but uh, he will become somebody very special for audience in the other side of the ocean too. You know, he is a superstar in Japan that you can only watch on New Japan world you know live this live streaming internet live streaming service or have to come to the show that they run in america you know i'm sure he will be the main event guy for uh, next april madison square garden show roh and new japan combined show kenny omega will be the guy you know will be your main event don't you think hopefully in madison square garden i would hope so yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he really believed that he's the one carrying the company. And because of him, everybody's getting a paycheck <laughs> or something. It's like, wow, wow, you know. So let and, me let me ask you this. Obviously, you yeah. were, Kenny Omega put a very strong impression on you. 
<laughs> what was your yeah. impression of Tanahashi I'm, I'm, this time? You've been around Tanahashi. You've been you've been on his. Yeah. You've interviewed Tanahashi. You know Tanahashi. Yeah, Tanahashi. Yeah, Tanahashi is doing a veteran role, and uh, in back there, most people's mind, yeah, this might be his last you know, opportunity, his last run, you know, to be the main event at the Tokyo Dome, January fourth, wrestling. Time that uh, well, it's maybe more like a Triple H type. You know, I'm sure that he maybe ten years from now he might do this very special occasion like Undertaker type appearance. But uh, as your, you know, as far as your title match picture goes, yes, Tanahashi this this January Tokyo Dome show may be really his last time that uh, he'll be in, in the title match picture. I'm hoping he wins, but uh, he probably won't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at first I was thinking, gosh, would could Tanahashi get a run? And then the more I thought about it, I, I, I think it's got to be Kenny Omega. Yeah, it has to be, yeah. But, and I mean, he, I, I guess they yeah. could always, Tanahashi could always win in Tokyo and then lose in New York. Uh, three months later, that could be, yeah, that could be, yeah. I mean, they do need too. a main event, and that and, would that would draw huge to have the potential of seeing Kenny Omega crowned. I mean, he's Canadian, but crowned in North America, not far from Canada, not far, that far from Winnipeg. And at Madison Square Garden, winning IWGP Heavyweight Title in America, yeah, then it probably makes more sense. Yeah, and Tanahashi had you know three months run for the last time, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds pretty good too. But so, I mean, this is this yeah. is all just armchair booking. I mean, I can't book compared to Ghetto. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah just don't but even. This is, uh, I know, I know, but this is pretty much big deals. You know that uh, one title match show. You know, this, this is like Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom show. You know, you always have four hour show or sometimes close to five hours and just so so loaded that you have 13 matches they're all just title matches and title matches you know IWGP heavyweight IWGP tag team titles IWGP junior title IWGP junior tag team title never oh, probably this time with Chris Jericho IWGP intercontinental title this is you have seven eight title matches right never six man tag team something like that but the, this this coming Tokyo Dome, January 4th Tokyo Dome, it, to me, it looks like a one-match title match show. The only match that matters is Kenny Omega champion against Tanahashi for the last, you know, his last challenge or something. This is, like, very dramatic. Yeah. I think. Yeah, so, so I talk completely, this is, did it surprise you? Yes, Kenny Omega really won me over on this one. And uh, he believes that I believe in him. This guy is going to be very, very special superstar in Japan. And he's not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, when some, some somebody from Canada, somebody from America becomes a big superstar in Japan, yes, next step will be, yeah, he is going to WWE to be even bigger star. But uh, this is not the path he's choosing. He is here, you know, to really change the world, the wrestling world from this side of the ocean or something. Now, did you, you went to, Does uh, that make sense? did you go to Sumo Hall? Did you go to Sumo Hall for the matches? 
Yes, yes, yes. That was a long show too, you know. Yeah. Well, and well, it was, it was, yeah, triple threat, you know, title match. Right. Kenny Omega against Kota Ibushi against Cody Rose, triple threat. Three guys from same faction fighting against each other, and they announced that yes, we are friends, but we're doing this fight, and to see who's better or something. But it was yeah, during the first conference, Tanahashi picked on this match too. That the, yeah, great match. Yeah, that the technical, you know, technical, you know, uh, side of it. Yes. A lot of wrestling. I mean, thing things he has never seen, and very, um, you know, evolved into something like a new form of wrestling. But uh, Tanahashi had to pick on these, like, but they are doing things that the, the, those three are the only one getting off on it. People don't didn't understand. There's some. Yes, I, I agree with that with that part too. They were doing things that nobody has ever seen, but it's like. You scratch your head. Uh, so these three are fighting, right? And uh, Tanahashi had a problem using tables and chairs and, you know, steps and all these things. See, chair shots and uh, table-breaking things and other things, you know, vicious attack. Those were done because you supposedly hate your opponent or you have grudge or some score to settle something. You guys are using chair shots and table breaking spot with no reason. And you even have announced, you know, to the crowd that the, you guys are all buddies. You know, what's the point of hurting each other? Wrestling is not about hurting somebody. This is to, you know, like tell stories and uh, make believe and this is a more Tanahashi was going this real old fashioned wrestling philosophy then Kenny Omega cut off and, and then they start laughing and then and he start talking about wrestling 2018's wrestling philosophy and it was very very interesting and it sounded all shoot to me you know maybe I follow wrestling too long <laughs> you know what I mean and go around the circle and come back and I believe everything now so uh, looking at the totals for the past few years for this show, yeah. for King of Pro Wrestling, yeah. it hovers right around 9,000 or so, which is what we got this time. Do you, is, that a, is that an indication that the match drew, the three-way was interesting enough to people, or should it have been more full? What do you, what do you think? The place was packed. The place was packed. But I was sitting in a pretty good seat this time, you know, not a press box, but I had tickets. So I was in the middle of like a, a good paid crowd. So I was able to listen to a lot of, lot of people. You know, New Japan has a lot of casual, like, well, not a casual fan, but more like WWE Universe, so much like WWE Universe. The New Japan fans in, in that building only follow, the same to me, they only watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, if you go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, they got the 50 guys working on card. You got the six-man tag team, eight-man tag team, six-man tag, eight-man tag team, and maybe two single matches. But it's just 50 superstars, all superstars, right? So if you follow New Japan Pro Wrestling, you probably watch only New Japan, much like WWE Universe. You know, there are 100 other wrestling companies just in Tokyo, but that's another story for another day. And 
the people around me were obviously all New Japan fans, but these people didn't even understand Triple Threat. What are they doing? What are they doing? Single match? Single match? Single match? So they announced it. It was the first time in 14 years that they did title match Triple Threat. So 14 years ago, I don't remember you know, what, what was the card, but they were saying this is the first time in 14 years the title match uh, would be a, you know, a Triple Threat. And uh, the, the middle-aged man right behind the guy, is this single? What are they doing? What are they doing? Three guys? What? It's like they did not really get it. Plus, Kenny Omega, Cody Rose, and Ibushi Kota, they could do so much. They're so confident that they were powerbombing and one guy catching to German suplex. You know, I, I couldn't even remember. I mean, things that, you know, I'm sure they had fun thinking about it. But uh, they went ahead and did spot that nobody had seen, but ended up not being understandable sometimes, you know. That's what Tanahashi was saying. Those three guys in the ring was having so much fun. They were getting off on it, but they were the only three that understood what was going in, going on. It's just not good. It's like, wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Sometimes with, with any artist, you can do stuff just for you and sort of lose the crowd. Yeah, that's not an yeah, unusual so thing. Yeah, so innovative. So talented, you know. Right. But... Uh, this just like, but they were doing things, and they they are the one getting off on it, and half the people didn't understand it, in in at the building, and I don't think it's that good. But then again, it will be very epical, you know, like a very new, epoch making, like new era kind of match. I'm sure it was. So uh, no surprise. Um, actually, well, actually, we should probably talk about the other big surprise. That's been going on. Then we'll get to your friend Chris Jericho. But uh, what are your thoughts on Jay White <laughs> and uh, Ghetto joining uh, the the OG Bullet Club? The BC uh, those at the BCOG. I guess they uh, changed the uh, changed the face of this Bullet Club and the right Bullet Club with Ghetto and Jay White even Jado uh, joining. So they are a pretty big faction now. Because yeah, I'm sure that the Bullet Club was losing, you know, really losing stream, you know. Don't you think? It's not your bullet club that was so popular a year ago, two years ago, you know? Same t-shirt, then they still want to sell t-shirt. They're not going to let it fade away. That They're always going to be a bullet club in, well, in, there's in, in a, Japan ring. I know that uh, the Young Bucks and I think Hangman Page came out and said that they're releasing yeah. their last bullet club t-shirt, yeah. whatever that means. So here. we'll see what that means. Who knows? Um, it could be just a, a way to sell T-shirts or maybe they're going to morph into something yeah. else. It's hard to say, but yeah, it's what, are your, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Can, I think a lot of people have been impressed lately with, with Jay White. Yeah. And single match against Tanahashi. Yeah, he did more than we anticipated, you know, or he did a lot better than uh, we thought he could. But the lots of lots of individual interference by Ghetto himself, you know, like uh, he's acting like your old-fashioned heel manager, you know, at uh, right after Tanahashi's even fly, you know, that the frog splash thing. One, two, and Ghetto comes in, pull referee's leg out of the ring, and you know, it's like, oh, it's like, 
great timing, you know, this heel manager work that uh, Jay White obviously needs Gedo in ringside at all time, you know, to be in his position. But uh, he's doing well, I think. And uh, obviously, the ball is given, you know, that he get got uh, this ball that uh, he, he has to run it, you know, as fast as you can, as long as you can. You are the quarterback now, whatever. That uh, Yes, obviously, they are making Jay White pretty much top gaijin spot, you know. And, uh, yeah, see what happens, you know. The position makes person sometimes that uh, he's been in the main event position, he will become main event, you know? It's too early to judge. That guy's improving. Does anybody care about Cody Rhodes' NWA title? Does the does the NWA title have uh, any meaning they, Yes, yeah, they didn't even announce it, you know? He brought two belts with him. NWA, it's obviously that the design is your globe, you know, globe design NWA title, like your Harley Racing, Dusty Rhodes, right? So he has one belt. And he had the IWGP US heavyweight, the red belt. He brought two belts with him, but they didn't really acknowledge that it's an NWA title. And uh, obviously, he's not going to defend NWA title in New Japan ring, I don't think. Whatever the title he's going to defend, it will be IWGP US title in New Japan ring, I think, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, NWA is another issue, yeah. I'm just curious. And then finally, I guess we need to ask about uh, your boy, Chris Jericho. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, they used this evil against Zack Sabre Jr. wrestling match as a backdrop of Chris Jericho's solo act, right? And it was okay. But if it was like interference and you know, destroying the match and the no result and all this, people may kind of boo it, right? But it was right beginning of the match, and uh, they gave Evil Undertaker entrance, right? Like almost not, yeah, to elevate him as a star. You know, they he they had this, you know, like horror movie, you know, Undertaker like entrance at the Sumo Palace, music, lighting, costume, whole thing, and as he stood from the chair. And go into the ring with his costume. And one of his disciples happened to be Chris Jericho. So he, they did pretty well. And during the course of beating down, Chris Jericho did not take his, you know, that, the, what do you call that, the white mask thing? What do you call those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the mask. The, yeah, mask. Okay. He didn't take <laughs> off. See, during the beatdown, it was obvious this person's wearing white IWGP Intercontinental Championship belt in his waist. Who would be wearing that? It's Chris Jericho. It's obvious that the 10, 20 seconds into beat, you know, beat down that the people already knew he was Chris Jericho. Therefore, he did not take off his mask for another two minutes. Is that Jericho? Jericho? Oh, I'm sure it's Jericho. Oh, that's Jericho. The people talk, right? He is smart enough to tease another minute or two then do the clothesline, he teased the mask, he didn't. Then he another counter move, he did the uh, code breaker. And obviously, whomever does the code breaker, that, that's, that's Jericho, that's it. Then he um, slowly take off his mask off. Then he has his 
you know, new painting thing that, that he's so into now that uh, that's another aspect of Chris Jericho keep reinventing himself as this is the new phase now that uh, he will wrestle with his pain on, right? And uh, it was like having a match, so it was okay. People really welcomed Chris Jericho's interference. Let's put it that way. Sure. Yeah. And I yeah, forgot to mention, we, we have to mention the other big announcement, uh, Shingo K- T- T- uh, Takagi, uh, part of uh, LIJ now. What do you think about uh, Takagi? Yeah, yeah, he was definitely, um, they went, when um, Naito's, Los, you know, Ingo Bernardes, they have on introduced somebody, it has to be somebody from another group. Funny thing is, though, New Japan audience, New Japan world, much like WWE Universe. You got uh, enough talent, you got uh, 50 people to follow, you got their own, you know, the, the program booklet, all the gimmicks, you know, and, and uh, DVD and live streaming. You have, if you're a full-time New Japan fan, it's like your full-time job. You just don't have time for any other wrestling or something, you know? Yeah, I think he'll do really well. I think he'll do really well in the light heavyweight division. And I think not anytime soon, but I think obviously he's big enough. He could move up if he wants to. Yeah, but... probably Bushi, Bushi and Shingo Takagi will win this 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 month coming up that uh, uh, junior heavyweight tag team tournament. Thing. Yeah, one would think. They either have, They have to be in the yeah, finals they're, somehow. They have, they're going to be in the mix. But one yeah, would think yeah. they'd win, but, uh, yes. Bushi and Bush... Bush and Shingo Takagi must be the favorite. Yeah. The funny thing is, one disappointing thing was though, with Dragon, you know, Dragon Gate, he was like a monster muscle guy, you know, big, you know, big muscle guy, right? Right. Yeah. He's jacked. But with New Japan, he's put it into junior heavyweight category. You know, he can be a short little, but uh, he can be heavyweight. But uh, they put him in the junior heavyweight. You know, I feel what like there's the... there's more room to do stuff there right now. I hear what you're saying, but it's so yeah. crowded in heavyweight right now. I think oh, that, crowded, very I think, crowded. I think it's really crowded, and I think that he's better off doing the junior heavyweight thing for a while, and then and then moving up to heavyweight. Because also in junior heavyweight, you're going to do more of that Dragon Gate style anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously, well, yeah. that's what they do, and uh, it was kind of like within business, within the wrestling industry, though, both, you know, Taichi Ishimori and Shingo Takagi, they are, both of them, very talented, you know, they all both, you know, originally came from, like, Ultimate Dragon School, you know, and then Dragon Gate, another company, but uh, those two somewhat marked out on going to New Japan, is what other wrestlers are saying. Kind of like go, sign, yes, kind of like sign, sign, you signed up with WWE. So is, does that make you so happy? That, that Does that make you a better wrestler or a better star or a bigger star? Or you feel you know, like good about yourself going, going to New Japan kind of thing? Well, some people want a bigger platform. I don't know. I mean, I... Oh, of course. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's nothing wrong no, with, no, no. with wanting to go to Dragon Gate, which brings us... Did we talk about Pac? Have we talked about Neville? Oh, Neville. Oh, wow. Still talented. And it's like, they, he was welcome. 
back, you know, right? No more Neville is Pac again. And uh, yeah, he'll shine more uh, with Dragon Gate Ring, but they won't be making nearly as much money. That's the, another reality to that thing. But I guess if you're happy enough, I guess if that's what makes yeah. you happy, then go for yeah. it. Yeah, of course, of course. And while you're young, and you, while you're still in prime time as your, you know, as your athletic ability and things you can do in the ring, yes, go to places where you can do what you want to do. Yeah. But, well, let's uh, uh, let's crank out a let's do yes. one let's do one question. Um, yeah. And let's uh, let's crank out one question at hashtag Ask Fumi. And uh, David Powers on Twitter wants to know. Oh, uh, yeah, about the uh, working match, uh, Pride and all Well, this. no, not yet. Not that one. He wants to know about, talking about uh, Ronda Rousey uh, honoring uh, Roddy Piper and the 30th anniversary of the movie They Live. Now, Piper, yeah. who's, a, who's a great guy, I knew him for a while. He was a yeah. storyteller. And also, yeah, the They Live, they are showing at the theater in Japan again, too. 30th year was um, high-definition remaster. Uh, wow. They live. They're showing it at the theater now, so a lot of people watching it. You know, they live now this week. Uh, very interesting. Thirty years since the very first run, and it's still relevant today. I think it's more relevant today than it was thirty years ago. <laughs> you know. So the question: fake news, controlling media. You know. Yeah, we're distracting people to think what you want them to think. And Big Brother. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more relevant now than it was 30 years ago. You okay, know, great. Now I'm depressed. Thanks, Right, Piper was saying, this is actually a documentary film. <laughs> you know? So he wants to know, Piper said that he was banned from Japan. Banned from Japan? Are you no, aware no, of that? No, I don't think it's true at all. I think that was uh, one of the things he came up when he was asked about his Japanese run in American media, he only had, Roddy Piper only had maybe three or four tours to Japan, you know, during his 35-year career. Japan wasn't his place all that much. He had two tours, probably, two or three tours with New Japan, and one more tour with Old Japan while he was working for for NW Jim Crockett. And when he made Japan tour, he was still working for people like Mike LaBelle and Roy Shire. He came from West Coast, you know. And I don't think he was main event then. And Did he uh, wrestle as the Mass Canadian? Didn't he do the Mass Canadian in Japan? Mass Canadian too, and also his non-Mass Canadian um, identity too. Yes, yeah. he came in as Mass Canadian and challenged Tatsumi Fujinami's WWE, WWF Junior Heavyweight title event. And I think they did that in California, too. Yeah, yeah, right before that. Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, she, well, uh, back in the uh, end of 1970s into early 80s, we were not aware that how great R- Roddy Piper really was. You know, he wasn't the type of wrestler who did did, did the all kinds of big moves or fancy-looking moves. or so He was a guy who does punches and kicks and thumbings and uh, the funny little, you know, heel moves like old-fashioned heel does. But uh, it was not really your Japanese style in the end of the 70s into early 80s. It was your Stan Hansen era, you know, 
Inoki against Stan Hansen, Inoki against Andrew the Giant, Fujinami against his junior heavyweight, you know, people that Piper did not really fit into New Japan's mold then. I knew he was a big star, you know, but he never had big moves or anything, you know. He was more of a smooth worker type. Punch, kicks, probably neck breaker. Um, not much, you know, just he is not really wrestling move oriented guy, you know. And uh, I'm sure he, if he came over here now, people's eyes were more educated towards your worker type. And uh, I see people really enjoyed WrestleMania match between Piper against Bret Hart on video here. You know, and or the, the the Royal Rumble where both Roddy Piper and Flair was on. Uh, was that ninety one, ninety? Royal Rumble. Probably uh, ninety two. I think he was in the big Rumble with yeah. Flair. Yeah, and plus even WrestleMania three, uh, Roddy Piper against Adrian Adonis. If you watch now, it was actually a lot better than you thought thirty years ago. You know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. I don't think he'd been banned. From Japan, that is fiction. I don't. I, I really feel that was Roddy Piper's fiction. More than likely. All right, let's do uh, one more before we go. This was from Jeremy yeah. at hashtag AskFumi. Would love to hear yes, a sir. further deep dive into Shoe Pro in the mid '90s and the reports of money for coverage and the blacklisting of promotions at times like War yeah. and New Japan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything oh, about God. this. This is not my area. Right, right. And we had the baseball magazine, Weekly Pro Wrestling, and New Japan Pro Wrestling had a serious feud that uh, they blocked every one of us. I mean, we're a writer or journalist or photographer or reporter, editor, uh, the entire crew of baseball magazines, pro uh, Weekly Pro Wrestling were blocked from New Japan for like a six, seven months period. And Mr. Yamamoto resigned from weekly pro wrestling and he mended the fence and uh, we start going back to new japan again and uh, but it it kind of changed a lot of power structure in between two two different companies you know yeah uh, but uh, we, we do this i uh, it's gonna take good 30 minutes to 45 <laughs> minutes to explain how sure. it came about and all this yeah I understand. It's it was a feud moment. between Mr. Yamamoto and Ricky Choshu, then mm. New Japan Booker. They were friends, though, in early in eighties when Ricky Choshu was getting super push and becoming a superstar and be a revolutionary hero. They, those two got along, and something happened, and they openly really uh, exchanged words, and uh, it wasn't a wrestling angle that uh, New Japan really tried to ban. Um, weekly pro wrestling baseball magazines uh, from coming to the building to their building. They did it. They really did it. I didn't go to their show for five six months. Yeah, for well, sure. I mean, well, we'll have real. to get we'll have to get into yeah. that uh, another time then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. That slowly started from 1995's your Tokyo Dome show by run by weekly pro wrestling. You know, 13 different wrestling group ran for one show and. That was actually beginning of the end. Yeah. The year before that. Yeah. Nineteen ninety five to nineteen ninety six. Yeah. It's been twenty years since. 
<laughs> and you're you know? a survivor. You're but, doing uh, yeah. better we, than we ever. We can go over that with details because I don't have no, any memo or sure. right in front of me now. You know? Well, sure. And you're yeah, you're yeah. doing the zone now. You're writing. You've got books. You've got your college class. You got this podcast. You're you're everywhere still. <laughs> really? No, you are I a survivor. I yeah, hear Destiny's I Child in my head right now for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, why don't we uh, wrap it up there? Where can people find you yes, on sir. Twitter? Um, Fumihiko Dayo. F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O. Fumihiko Dayo. It means it's me. Fumihiko. And, and we'll do some more questions. Me. Yeah. Tag me. Yes, please. Yeah. I would love to. Uh, Fumi Saito. You can find me at, at, in Facebook also. And we'll talk about uh, some more Ask Fumi questions. If you tweet us, be sure to hashtag Ask Fumi so I can find them. And we'll do some more questions next week. Find yeah, me on I'm, Twitter. I'm hoping that I get uh, this Kenny Omega thing, you know, cross. Because we, we, we have to talk more about Kenny Omega in weeks to come. We will, I'm sure we will. We'll also talk about Naito because someone has a question about Naito. We'll do that next time. But uh, follow okay. me on Twitter at Jim Valley. And until next time. So long from Tokyo. Thank you. <laughs>